hello and welcome back to the loyal sun show that's at the loyal sons on twitter instagram tiktok youtube all the goods uh follow us there and follow us here for pit sports takes you won't want to miss if you love the new i see light sign that hangs over mount washington like a halo over the city and hate the fact that there's about 50 days left until pit football this is the place for you the loyal sun show a safe sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix brought to you by section five we have a great show for you today salim brightwell the hero from the 2016 upset of national champion clemson tigers joins us absolutely electric interview he's got some great stories for you we got the whole gang in the house today what is up boys it's great to be back all three of you i miss you guys not that we haven't seen each other outside of this forum but i but to be back in this setting with you two uh it's it's a great feeling uh, i'd also argue that Salim brightwell although appreciate him coming on the show and he did have a massive heroic play in that game i'd argue chris blewett was the hero of the clemson win but there are a lot of heroes there were a lot like, of heroes it was like a avengers end game it's just a lot of heroes in one game slash movie but yeah it's also good to be back on dry land actually it's not I, so i was on a cruise ship for the past week that's why i missed the uh, last last interview and have, have kind of been off the radar so honestly i kind of wish i still was on the ship have to go back to work monday morning but it's, it's good to be back here with you two a- anything happened while i was gone my, my phone was off for the most part didn't do much uh twitter scrolling or or texting with anyone about Pitt. anything anything happened I think Bob Huggins tried to get his jaw back like a fourth time or something weird. But aside from that, in the pit world, it's been pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, two, I think two, maybe three commits that had pit or uh, recruits that had pit as a finalist announced. Uh, and none of them picked pit. <laughs> it was a couple guys we felt like all right about um, uh, Nick Marsh, that receiver that four-star receiver, super good. Um, he didn't pick us, even though there were a bunch of rumors that we made a huge NIL push, but he also didn't pick Penn State, and I will take that. And then uh, Ryan Howerton, um, despite saying he was a package deal with Mo Schmo, selected the Maryland Terrapins, which, sure. We've got a lot of linemen. Yeah. Don't need them. Go get pushed around in the Big Ten by everybody else. Get your head caved in by the four five stars on Michigan and Ohio State's defensive lines. Unless you flip before December, in which case I think you're the greatest football player ever and ignore everything we just said. Okay. Yes. So to answer your question, really nothing. Like, like I don't think I found out that those guys uh, opted to go elsewhere until 10 minutes before we started recording. Good to know. All right, I'm up to speed. Don't feel like I missed too much. You're back just in time, Dylan. It's a big week for us. Why is that? Well, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see my lovely background. I'm live from Hole 18 T-Box at Quicksilver. Live on location. 
Yep. Swid don't lean back screen. too far. I think I think your head might dissolve into the clubhouse. It's just a weird thing that happens out of Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird phenomenon. No one can. Scientists can't even explain it. It's like the Bermuda Triangle or the moon landing. Anyway, yeah. So the uh, the golf outing is on Sunday, and uh, fellas, how are we feeling about it? So excited. Yeah, this this is going to be great. Uh, last year, uh, Greg Rendine, Rendine Consulting, did a great job of kind of throwing it together in a couple of weeks and just putting on a great event. I think everyone who showed up last year said they had a blast. Players, fans, everyone in attendance, uh, just all around great vibes. And then this year, there's actually been months of planning behind it. So... We're gonna have we're gonna have a ton of players in attendance, uh, more than we've ever had, bigger names than we've ever had, and I think it's really gonna be just an awesome an awesome day for everyone. Great day of golf, great day of uh, raising money for charity, Sniper Forty Nine, uh, helping out Byron Floyd with that. So I'm ecstatic. I love golfing any day in July, honestly. So adding on top of it that it'll be with a bunch of pit athletes and pit fans doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. You guys aren't lying. We have a pretty star studded cast this year. Um, a lot of players involved, a lot of players really wanted to be involved. Uh, you know, the, you know, I, I was really, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Yeah. It's been pretty cool to see you guys DMing us like, Hey, you have any spots open? Like, yeah. You know, part of us, I think part of the difficulty of this is like, you don't want to harass these guys and be like, exactly, drag you out to a golf course for six hours. They definitely have a lot of stuff that they have to do and don't want to do. A lot of obligations as a Division One football player. Um, But I think, or basketball player, or basketball player, because we got some of the, some of the hoops guys in as well, um, including Blake Hinson. Yeah, do we just give a rundown of everybody that's going to be there? Absolutely. Anyone have a list, Andy? It's a long list. Yeah, it's a long list, and it keeps getting longer. So uh, if I miss anybody, catch me here. We got the quarterback, Phil Dracovic. He's going to do a lot better than the quarterback last year. Uh, Rodney Hammond, Jake Cradle, Sam Okanlola, Bengali Kamara, Deion Hayes, Sean Fitzsimmons, Gavin Bartholomew, Byron Floyd. Fitzsimmons, multiple. It's it's more than one Fitzsimmons. What did I say? Okay, whatever. Ishmael Leggett, Zach Austin, Donovan McMillan, Blake Hinson, Marquez Williams, Bob Means. We had a few late additions. Who else am I missing? Uh, Rashad Battle messaged us today. Got him a spot. Yeah. Aiden Fish, alumni, Mm -hmm. making any appearance. Yeah, Nick Patty will also be their defending champ. Not a current player, but proud Pitt alum now. You mentioned uh, the that we're hoping Phil performs better than you know the last starting quarterback to show up to one of these. Did we ever find that video of someone who will not be named who now plays football out west topping the first attempt at a drive on hole one? I think the video exists. It's out there for uh, I guess confidentiality reasons video has not yet been released not 
completely ruling out that that video will make its way to the, the airwaves if you know he has a three interception game this against Arkansas this season. That was my but. first thought whenever he had the transfer portal. I'm like, let's just release the video. And I was told that uh, said player was like, can you not show anybody that? And I was like, ah, whatever, you're our quarterback. But now he's not, so it's a gray area. We'll see what we can do. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Phil, hole one. Because I, I think when we saw what happened last year, that was kind of the first moment we were like, is this guy not the guy? Yeah, you can tell a lot about a quarterback by his golf game. That's why Nick Patty won the Sun Bowl. He, he's got the the poise to perform under pressure, a.k.a. at the Loyal Suns Rendon Consulting Alliance 412 golf outing. Nick Patty's yeah. actually like probably the best golfer at this event. Like, oh, he, he won so easily. Yeah. So he, he, you could actually make a case, not even a case. You, it's probably a pretty clear cut that he is the uh, Loyal Suns Rendon Consulting golf outing goat. Like, wow, yeah. he is the, the goat of this outing. So we'll see if he can defend his championship. Uh, him and Joe Patty going to be riding around in a cart. If there was one other foursome I could play with other than the group I'll be playing with Saturday, it would be the Patties, just because Nick would just be tossing darts from like 180 out and Joe Patty will just be crushing icy light and making me laugh like he would at uh, tailgates last year. Yeah. Also, uh, David Green, late edition, will be there. Yes. That's a guy who looks like he could uh, hit a ball 600 yards if the if the ball didn't instantly vaporize on contact. Yeah, so who do we think is going to be good outside of Nick Patty? A lot of these guys, I think they say they play at top golf every once in a while as a team. A few of the guys have been out this year. Uh, they say they've been playing. If you try to break 100. So it might be a surprise who's good, who's out there just to have a good time. Who do you think is like the sleeper. Like this guy's actually good at golf somehow. So I know Donovan McMillan plays. He, he, I don't know if I would call him an avid golfer, but he, he enjoys golf, gets out plays. He has a couple of vlogs on uh, YouTube from him playing with some of his Florida teammates. So Donovan plays. So he's a golfer. Um, Jake cradle talked to us earlier this year, said he's still trying to break a hundred, but uh, Which is admirable. Oh, here's the thing. Yes, here's the yes. thing. This is a scramble. It's a scramble. It, you get a guy, a big guy like Jake Cradle swinging out of his shoes when he already has one out on the fairway. He might just put one on the green from 400. Like that, that's a big, that's a big boy swinging. Yeah, if you get a, a little guy like me up there first, you put him in the fairway. Let these O linemen, D linemen, linebackers swing out of their shoes. I mean. I, Bart was hitting his was pitching say. wedge, the Punisher, about like a buck seventy-five last year. Yeah, I was gonna say, did uh, did Bart fall into the river or something? We're, we're forgetting my guy. Yeah, and also the closest to the pin and longest longest putt winner last year, Gavin Bartholomew. So put some respect on his name. I guess he's he's not even a sleeper at this point. He's a great he's a great addition to any foursome in a scramble. Yeah, I think Dayon. Uh, might make a little bit of noise this year. He's back for more. He said that he's been preparing for this for a while. I don't know what that entails, but Dayon 
let's see what you got. It's at least Dayon's third golf outing. So <laughs> it's at least his third time playing golf. He told us that he would ask Coach Narduzzi for advice. I don't know if he did, but if he did, I would love to know what that was. I was actually going to say, I was going to vote for Dayon for guy who loses the most balls. <laughs> but I don't know. I Maybe he has been practicing. We'll see. I think Blake Henson might just be good just because he's like, he was a five. He could have been a five-star football recruit, also all ACC basketball player. So I feel like he's one of those guys who's just good at everything he does. I have no like logic behind this, but there feels like there's a correlation between being nice with a driver and wet from three. See, Steph Curry had a hole in one this weekend. So that's just proved your point. Concrete proof that yeah. So I I bet Blake is good. Aiden Fish can definitely golf. And his brother, brother's a pretty avid golfer. Um, yeah. So we'll have those guys out there playing in some foursomes with pit fans. We'll also have some of those guys as celebrity putters on certain holes, where uh, for a certain financial contribution to snapper 49 you'll be able to get an extra putt on that particular hole uh using that guy's celebrity putter so i'm excited man it, this is gonna be a lot of fun yeah outside Just of the golf was last year i don't know about the listeners if any of you are going there are prizes you want to win the scramble it's not about winning the scramble it, it's a great day everyone has fun it's a bunch of diehard pit fans and athletes in one spot we had a great q a last year i know we talked about it on here before super candid players are awesome to talk to spirits are high have some brews enjoy the day and i'm missing anything just top to bottom can't wait crush a couple mangoes perhaps perhaps so it, it kind of got me thinking you know uh, this is the most I've thought about golf in about a year since I retired from the sport. Um, and it kind of got me thinking. Dave, can you, tell, can you tell the people about your golf career? Why? Please don't make me. And just why you've retired from the game. Uh, yeah, I played like once or twice a month for two years. Uh, at no point could I break 130 in consecutive <laughs> trips to the course and i made a conscious decision of why am i waking up at 6 a.m spending a hundred dollars to hate myself for five hours yeah so, you threw some shade at day on about <laughs> balls. i was your cart partner last year i think you lost two balls in the first hole so anyway uh that's why I'm going to be driving around with our camera guy filming content during this. I'm taking one for the team. Um, but I was thinking, you know, if I, if I had to come out of retirement, who my dream foursome would be. I kind of thought it'd be a fun exercise for us. So pit people, like any, any pit person. Yeah, I was going to say any stipulations here. Sports. Sports. Specifically pit, because that is, 
the sports adjacent thing that matters the most to us. And also we record a podcast about. Okay. Let me, uh, let me do some thinking here. So for some, we're us plus three other people, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do that. That math checks out. Okay. Um, so I, I wrote one down here before we started. This wasn't actually spur of the moment thought of by David. That's just how we operate our uh, our podcast. Mm. Way to break the fourth wall. I thought we, we wanted to sneak this by. Yeah, make, make people think that we're like smart, quick. They already think that. We are smart. What are you talking about? Well, to be fair, every time we do this, I have ones written down. Then we add like another 10 on top. So yeah. Uh, Quick and easy one. Get it out of the gate. Gate hit people. Dwan Blair, Levance Field, Sam Young. Whoa. And then like 10-year-old me would be the happiest person on the planet. 12-year-old me. I don't know. Years run together at this point. 27 now. So long time ago. I'll go with a football one. This is pretty recent. I think having Kenny Pickett and Pat Narduzzi on there would be awesome. Kenny Pickett just because it's Kenny Pickett. Uh, Narduzzi, I think if you get him like a few beers deep on the golf course, he'll just start opening up about all the coaches and players and media that he hates and will tell so yes. many stories. Like the most uh, sheltered guy in front of a camera, but on the golf course, he'll definitely open up. And for my last spot, I kind of would add some like some drama, maybe. So maybe like Lincoln Riley in the cart and just like Narduzzi gets like extra pissed off and they have like a duel. They're just putting down like thousand dollar side bets. Yeah, like Jordan Addison, like bags level of like cash on who wins. Uh, but realistically, probably like maybe Dan Marino as the fourth. Pickett, Marino, Narduzzi. I could like sit down and listen to Narduzzi off the record talking about everybody that he thinks is a prick for like legitimately days. Like you give me. You give me a case of water and like like a five pound bag of trail mix. I could sit there for legitimate days and listen to him just list off like this guy wrote an article I didn't like in 2007. He's a prick. Um, yeah, this guy in- coached against Rhode Island in 92. I hated his guts. I ran up the score on him because he did this. Yeah, that's why they had Junko do the onside kick. Uh, but that would that would be an incredible one i in that vein i want as many like old school long time pit guys as possible so give me like wani coach junko uh wants that that'd be a good one and uh maybe uh maybe bill hillgrove just dudes who have been around forever and no, like, have forgotten more hilarious pit athletic stories than anyone else alive will ever know. Yeah, that's that's just like a all time fly on the wall group. Like, I'm just gonna sit there. I won't say a word, and I'll just let those three talk and probably tell the most insane stories. Oh, I'd carry pit. their bags. I'd be the caddy. I'd, yeah. I just want to be there. Dylan, I'm surprised you didn't take Kevin Stallings as a member of that foursome. So actually, um, this is another 
not exactly a dream, but my I, my logic here is Kevin Stallings, Rick Barnes, obviously the AD that hired Kevin Stallings, and then the worst golfer I could find, uh, David. This might be you. And then no, uh, it's nice of you. Just get the bad golfer really tuned up and hope that they hit the ball terribly enough that like a shank just kind of takes out Stallings <laughs> or, or Barnes. Just like Scott Barnes. Scott Barnes. Wait. Yeah. Okay. Scott Barnes. Rick Barnes is the uh, Tennessee basketball yeah. coach. Yeah. Okay. Good call. Uh, so Scott Barnes, Kevin Stallings, worst golfer I can find. At the very least, even if they don't get hit by a stray ball, they'll at least have a terrible day just having that golfer like top 150 shots. Mm-hmm. Put them in a cart with me and I will talk for hours about like one of my very niche interests that are very uninteresting to like, I'm going to get really into uh, the music of the counterculture movement and why I think Taylor Swift is the modern Bob Dylan and just, just ruin his fucking day. Yeah. I like it. I think going in that vein, um, I, I want, I want a threesome of Jason White, Larry Fitzgerald, and Ron Cook. Uh, and I just kind of want to provoke that. Ron yeah. Cook will beg to be in a car with Jason White. Maybe because he's afraid of Larry Fitzgerald, but also because he probably still... He just loves Jason He still defends White. that. <laughs> to this day. Yeah. He wrote... Oh my god. He wrote a lead... In the post gazette after after Pitt beat Clemson, that was like maybe if Larry Fitzgerald had like enough big players around him like Kenny Pickett does now, I would have voted for him. And it was just like you this was the biggest pit home win in years, and you used it to defend what is widely acknowledged to be a terrible decision. A twenty year old terrible decision. I would yeah. hate to be golfing with Bob Huggins. I would not feel safe with him behind the wheel. I would we'd have to have a designated driver for Bob. So nightmare scenario, Bob Huggins, Neil Brown, and a random West Virginia fan. Yeah, and Bob Huggins is driving your cart. Yeah. Okay. So so wait, that's another interesting question. Nightmare golf foursomes. Well, that's one. That's one A. That's one A for sure. I Um, feel like if you put like like James Franklin, and maybe that's just it. Just me and James Franklin in a twosome with two randoms. Like whenever you show up as a twosome, it's like yeah, you have these two like grandmas that need two more to make a full force. I think that'd be the worst case scenario. James Franklin, Jerry Sandusky, and that guy that made a podcast about Jerry Sandusky being framed. Yeah, that'd be pretty nightmarish, I'd have to say. I think my nightmare foursome would be the collective Northwestern locker room. Just like any three <laughs> seniors. The whole locker room. All right. Yeah, I don't think Northwestern is planning a, a team golf outing right now. Maybe they need one. <laughs> I don't know. It, it kind of sounds like they have the uh, the bonding activity down. But that was that was a weird one. That that Dylan that happened while you were gone. 
Yeah, I, I saw some things here and there. I, I was reading it. I was just like, okay, that's enough. But back to vacation. <laughs> or can we skip right past Northwestern too? Yes. Back to golfing. Yeah, whatever. Uh... <laughs> Kenny Pickett, Nick Patty, and Joe Patty. Which at least two two of those guys. Well, all three of them have at least at one point played in this outing. Uh, so that's a dream scenario that isn't all that far fetched. I want I want a foursome of me, Kenny Pickett, Phil Dracovic, and Christian Vier. And I want I want Kenny to to do some strange ancient ritual that rubs his his talent and leadership off on the both of them. A few too many icy mangoes over there for you. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were done talking about hazing and what you did in your fraternity. <sighs> well, anyone who's listening, send us a few of your dr- dream or nightmare uh, golf foursomes and we will retweet repost some of the best ones we get but to put a bow on this fellas who's winning the outing you guys not us no I <laughs> well, we're bringing our, we're bringing year. a ringer we're, they may or may not be a professional golfer emphasis on the may not more likely to be one of our friends who is slightly better than us at golf or it may be a professional golfer. You don't know until you show up. 7 a.m. Sunday. Quicksilver. We'll also, see you there. Be- before we wrap this up, if if no one responds to this saying that their dream pit foursome would be them and the three loyal sons, then uh, I'm deactivating the account. 7 a.m. Saturday. We'll see you there. Can't wait. Let's go golfing. It's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep pit fans comfy cozy and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSUNS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, Use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. Please welcome to the show, former Pitt linebacker and the architect behind one of Pitt's greatest upsets in school history, Salim Brightwell. Salim, how you doing today, man? How you guys doing today? No complaints at all. No complaints. We're sitting here talking to you, so we could be doing a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, I already know. Yes, sir. 
So you played for Pitt for uh for four years, starting in you were you were a redshirt freshman twenty fifteen. Uh yeah, twenty fifteen was my redshirt year. So my first year actually playing was twenty sixteen. Yeah, so yeah, twenty fifteen my redshirt. And you you did some pretty significant stuff in 2016, but we'll we'll get to that later. Uh, right now, I want to know what have you been up to since you graduated? You're playing in the arena league now, right? Yeah. So since I graduated, actually, um, I came out uh, when I entered the draft. I entered the draft in 2020, so COVID. So uh, those two years, I wasn't really I wasn't playing, and then I got in the arena league in 2022, playing in the IFL. So that's what I've been doing the past two years. Have you gotten used to the changes in the arena league? How are you liking the new rules and playing indoors? Yeah, it's way different. I mean, I'm obviously like you've been playing football outdoors your whole life. So when you go in the arena, it's like completely different rules, like different stances. It's like completely different from regular football. So it took me a while to even get adjusted to it, you know. So, I mean, outdoor football obviously is easier or might be more fun to people because that's what that's what you grew up playing, you know. So that's what I would say about it. What is the uh, the biggest difference been between the you know regular eleven on eleven football and indoor football? So indoor football is eight on eight. So it's eight on eight. There's only one linebacker on the field actually. So so it just like the gap fits are different. Like everything is just it just way different. You have motion guys. So like a, on real football, you have to stand still and then nobody can move on offense until the ball is snapped. But arena football, you have receivers that are already running already, and they snap the ball while they're already running. So it's just like little nuances like that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still football. You're still tackling people. But, like, the little nuances make it, like, kind of difficult to adjust to until you start doing it, really. That sounds a lot harder for the defense. Way harder. Like, basically, the game is basically they want views, so it's basically to make the offense score. Like, like the games that you – like a normal score in the game would be like 65 to 75. Like the games would be like up. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. And the field is only 50, it's only 50 yard field. You feel me? So it's way smaller. So it's basically they want the offensive score to bring fans to watch the games and stuff. So so obviously for defense, we we get the shitty end of the stick. So we gotta deal with that. What are film reviews like the the Mondays after games then or or the days following games? I imagine for the defense they get pretty uh pretty tough yeah so i mean we you have camp and stuff too so like real football you have camp so a lot of players they're coming from outdoor so when you go to camp it take it's like a, a four week long camp so they break everything down to you throughout the season or throughout camp and you start to get the hang of it so i mean newer players will get leeway too but if you've been there for a while they kind of get on you but mm-hmm. not that difficult to learn but it is confusing if you just first looked at it but once you start doing it, it it's not that bad to adjust to Gotcha. I, I imagine playing for a Randy Bates defense prepared you pretty well. You had to play a couple of those linebacker positions. Uh, did you play all three? I know you were middle, and you played. Did you play uh, Money and Star as well? Yeah. So I didn't play Star. I, I could. I mean, Money is kind of like a Money and Star, kind of like the same kind of. So, but I played uh, outside, weak side, and I played middle. Those are what I basically played. So money in the uh, middle yeah right and and in Pitt's defensive scheme obviously linebackers have to be a little bit rangier have to cover a little bit more ground has that carried over a lot being the only linebacker on the field in such like a fast-paced form of football 
Yeah, no, I definitely had. Like, I feel like when I was in college, like, that was the main thing I wasn't really that good at covering. But as I got older in college, I had to get adjusted to that. So by my senior year, I was pretty good at covering, you know. So when I got to arena, I feel like that really helped my covering skills, like you said, because receivers are moving and stuff already. So I feel like I was a pretty good coverer towards the end of my career in college. So definitely helped me a lot. Well, you played for two defensive gurus at Pitt, and Coach Narduzzi and Coach Spade. Uh, what was that like? Uh, it seems like pretty uh, intense guys from afar, but uh, you were in the room. Let's see from you. They crazy, like they crazy. But it's it's like like the, when people say like sometimes when you were genius, you gotta be like a little off. Like that shit is so true. Like they like <laughs> you be like yo, what is wrong? Like they psychos, but like to the like cycles in a good way to the point where like they're extremely detail oriented and I I really learned a lot like like when people say like Narduzzi like a football genius like he really is like some things he would like break down to me when I would ask him questions like it was like amazing I was like man this man really is like a genius in football so like I feel like I gained a lot of I got extremely smart from being around Narduzzi especially like, he got me like, very smart in football so really raised my football IQ so have you been able to see how that defense has kind of evolved over the years you know even during your time you know with the team of course but even in the time since then uh yeah for sure yeah because I mean when I was in college when I was in college my first year we didn't really have anybody in our defense go to the league and then after my senior year my senior year defense basically the whole but me and like two other guys Basically, that whole defense is in the NFL currently right now. We have probably probably that whole defense from maybe from maybe let me think from my senior class all the way down to the freshman class for backups. We probably have about sixteen to eighteen guys like in the NFL, like maybe like fifteen drafted. So defense, I've definitely seen a tremendous change in the defense since I was there from the beginning to when I was a senior. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, the early years of the Pat Narduzzi era, the defense was a little bit shaky. A lot of high-scoring offenses came into Heinz Field, but in the past few years, uh, even early on, we saw glimpses of how dominant that defense can be, and seeing the guys in the NFL now uh, really proves how uh, that system can really work when it's going. Yeah, and that, I feel like what also helped, too, is like uh, Narduzzi and the pitch staff, they, they got a chance to recruit the type of players they wanted, you know, so mm-hmm. I'll to like they great at recruiting because there'll be dudes like when I come into camp, there'll be guys on our team, freshmen that would be one stars. And I'm like, How are you a one star? Like, I've never seen them in my life. <laughs> on the head, kicks doing backflips, 44 inch, but like they graded, they're a great recruiter. So by the time it was my senior year, it was big because I was his first class. So by the time it hit my senior year, it was basically everybody that he recruited. So when we were on defense, to be honest, like. My senior year, like our record, we went eight and five. But I mean, our offense was the worst, was last in the league when I was a senior. But our defense was like top three, top three defense in the, in the country when I was in my senior year. It was like us, Clemson and O State, like top five. So yeah, we have they they're really good at recruiting defensive players for the scheme. So that definitely helped. They were they. We talk about it all the time. They've been unbelievable at. You know, it, it's not like Pitt's going out and beating out other schools for like five stars, and they definitely weren't, you know, five years ago. But just finding guys who fit, regardless of what rivals had, like, like you played with Pat Jones and Rashad Weaver. Those guys were what two stars 
star. Yeah, I think they were both. I think I think Weaver was a four star. Pat was a three star. So yeah, but still like they not they really had crazy recognition. I don't know if Pat did. I know Weaver had a lot of offers, but I don't know if Pat Pat did. But I mean that's our whole that's how our whole defense was. It was like guys with not a lot of offers, just just dogs. Like they were able to just find dogs from different cities, like low key guys, and end up being great players. You know. So you talk about how you developed yourself. Uh, we talked about a little bit before uh, the coaching staff giving you all that knowledge. But what does Pitt do that makes those guys that might not be super highly coveted recruits in tournament to NFL players? Uh, I feel like I feel like when you get guys that don't really have a lot of recognition, like they come with a chip on their shoulder. You feel me? So when you got a good player that knows they're good and they weren't really recognized. When they come, they're like, I'm going to show everybody and prove everybody wrong, you know. So, And sometimes it's just, like, rivals, they don't know everything. Like, sometimes they, they basing things off seven-on-seven. Seven. Like, what the fuck do they know? Like, they don't <laughs> crazy. Like, some of the things I see now, like, kids are playing seven-on-seven. Seven. They seven-on-seven seven superstars, and they get in the game. They can't even play, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, Narduzzi or the, just the pit staff in general, they're good at just finding kids that were just extremely under the radar that if they were seen – they would have been four or five stars. They just weren't seen, you know? So it's just a lot of players like that on our team. Did you play any uh, seven-on-seven in high school? Uh, Like like the camps, like seven-on-seven? Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't. Like, it's, it's actually funny, too. Like, I got a funny story with that. Like, my, uh, I'm, I'm in the place I am now, like, because I'm my head coach. His name is uh, Chris Parches. He's actually the he was the coordinator for Ole Miss for a little bit. And I think he, I think he's back at Michigan. Yep, he was my head coach in uh, high school. And, also an uh, alum of your high school, right? Huh? I also was an alum. Yep, high school. Yep. So yeah, he he. I mean, when I was a uh, junior, I started getting a lot of looks and offers and stuff. So I started getting invited to like Nike camps and like seven on sevens and all that stuff, like the forties and all that. And um. I like used to ask my coach because he would never let me go. Like he's like, Salim, you're not going to that shit. You're not going. I'm like, why can't I go? And he was like, Salim, I got you lifting on rivals at 6'3, 225. <laughs> you are 5'10, 170. <laughs> you're not going to that shit. I'm like, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I was like, if I put it, I'm gonna lose every offer I have. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. But that just shows you how much he was looking out for me. He was just trying to help me out, put me in the right direction. So I about it. I got invited to all those Nike Pro Current, those uh Nike openings, all that, but they wouldn't because of that. So so none of these colleges were pulling out tape measures when they were coming to visit you or having you on campus? It was fun. Like <laughs> anytime anytime my coach he would call me, tell me a school, because it I had like 40 offers. So I guess I mean in high school I just hit really, really hard. So like they were like, he can't be that small hitting like that. <laughs> so teams would come and see me. And they'll just be looking at me like, who, who the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> we got catfished. Like, no coach, like, that's exactly. Like, anytime I had, I knew a, co- a coach was coming, I'll wear like three sweatshirts under my uniform. I'll wear <laughs> with, like pads under them just to make me look a little bigger. So, but none of the schools took their offers away. So that just shows you that they were like, I guess he was a dog. We're going to stay with him. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, what then? You you got forty offers, you said. Well, probably uh, I probably had probably like twenty five actually, like twenty five. Just exaggerating. Yeah, that's like, still that's still like a like a lot, like <laughs> thirty something like that. Male. 
Yeah, that's that's quite a bit. How what made uh Pitt stick out? Oh, so actually, um, Michigan. So actually, my first two offers were Boston College and Rutgers, and like schools don't really look at me like that. But usually, how college football works, how you get offers, is when you get a big school that offers you, other big schools want to follow. You know, so basically, Pat Narduzzi, he was a defensive coordinator for um. Who's he defensive coordinator? He was defensive coordinator for Michigan, Michigan State. Yeah. They were defense in the country at the time. So uh, I remember I got offered by Rutgers and then Boston College. And then Narduzzi, when they went to the Rose Bowl, they were like the number three team in the country, number one defense in the country. They offered me. That was like my third, my third offer. And after I got that offer, I got like just offers just piling in after that. Because like I said, when a big school offers you, that's when everybody starts coming in. So – I mean, I'm a loyal person, so just off of the strength of that, I had Michigan State at the top of my list. I took a visit there. I liked the staff, liked Narduzzi, everybody. I was cool everybody. My head coach was – basically, we ran our defensive scheme in high school from Narduzzi scheme. So, I was really connected with that. So, I took a visit there in my junior, and I was going to go to Michigan State. That's where I wanted to go. I was going to commit and everything. But then uh, Narduzzi actually left Michigan State and went to Pitt. So, then I – Took a look at Pitt and I ended up I ended up liking it. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go here and take a shot in here. You know, so and the rest is history. Yeah, that's what happened. That's what led me to Pitt. You feel me? So it's everything for a reason, you know. Absolutely. So we're we're very happy you ended up pit at Pitt for for a lot of reasons. You you put up numbers four straight years. You were, you know, an instrumental part of that defense but there's there's one thing i think that pit fans think of above everything else when they hear the name salim brightwell and that is your game turning interception against clemson 2016 one of the biggest upsets of the last 10 years in college football so we any anything you can tell us about that game regale us what, what was it like going in what was the atmosphere yeah, go ahead. Take it away. That's a great memory. Yeah, those that game, like, cause our team, we were like, what? We were like, what? Four Five and four going eight. into it. Going into that, so nobody had nobody thought we had a chance. But like playing for Pitt is weird. Like you guys know, like you Pitt fans, like you know, like the team will be good and just find ways to just lose weird games that we should win. So it's like it's never like we don't have the talent to beat all these teams. It's just like we'll lose by like some crazy way or like. We'll just have a bad game or play to his team level. But, like, being you're, at – You're speaking to the soul of a lot of people listening to this. Right. Like, yeah, the pit experience. So crazy because the same way the fans feel, the players feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny because I, I know how you – like, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Like, when you know the team like – I told you, my senior year, we were 8-5. and five. That team, I promise you, that team was – was easily a 10 and two team, like AC championship team, the way that like, but we just blow game. Like it was just ridiculous. So going back to what happened with Clemson. So we were five and four. He started off like five and two, I think lost like two straight, something like that. And um, yeah, we went into Clemson and the Clemson, they were like, what? 10 and oh, got Deshaun Watson. He hides me candidate. That's in the country. Like they're not looking at us. They're like, we about to blow them out in their head, but we know the type of team we have. So we're like, we about to go in here and make some shape. And then I remember, uh, I remember we went there, and it was just a feeling like I was just like, oh, it just feel weird, like you know, we, like sometimes you just get a feeling, and you just know something's gonna happen. And I remember we're in the locker room, and we come out after Clemson, 
And you know how they run down that little tunnel? Like they have like that little run. Howard's Rock, yeah. So the art, the, the visitors' locker room was right under that tunnel. And I'm a we were, they were running. We hear like the crowd screaming, like all the lockers were shaking. And our coach is like, like this this the game that shocked the world. What y'all gonna do? And like all the lockers were shaking, like and everybody, I just everybody was just locked in. Like it was just I was just getting the chills thinking about it. But then I remember, like our offense was one of the best offenses in the that year. Cause we had Coach Canada. That's when like James Conner was going crazy, uh, Nate Peter, mm-hmm. So uh I remember we um we had the ball the first play of the game, and like Nate threw like a touchdown pass. One of our one of our fullbacks that never gets the ball, he never touches the ball. Like this was like the first catch of the year. He like mm-hmm. did like a scooping catch with like his fingertips and brung the ball up. I don't remember if he scored. He just got a big gain and we scored right after that. And when it was up seven nothing at that moment, I was like, oh yeah, we about to win this. Like everybody was like, yeah, we gonna win this game. Like I just remember the feeling. Like we were just so locked in. But when that play happened, we're like, yeah, we won in the game. So well, that yeah. was a real shootout. I mean, it was so back and forth. Every time Clemson would score, it seemed like the announcers and everyone in the crowd thought, all right, now Clemson's going to pull away. But Pitt kept hanging around. But what was it like being on the defense? Against Clemson, they kept scoring. They kept scoring. But once the fourth quarter came, that was it. When people ask me who's the best part I ever played against, I always tell them it was, it was in between Saquon and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was, oh, my God, like, he was fast, but he could throw the ball too. Like people don't understand how fast he is. Like, but when he running, it just he was just so smooth running. Like it wasn't even like he was moving fast at all. Like he, he was a great, he was a great player. And then they had like Mike Will on top of that. They had um, I don't know if they had ECN. I think they had um Wayne Goldman. So yeah, they had a lot of talent on the offense. So like, so yeah, man. I just remember like before that game. It's crazy because I actually had a dream about a play. Like, I never told nobody that, but I actually had a dream about I told my family, but I never told like on like a lot of people. But right before that game, I had a dream like that three plays happened. I had a dream that I came off the edge and got a sack. I had a dream that or in the same dream, I like got FL in that same dream. I got that pick like the same exact way that it happened. And when the game happened, I got it for three plays. I only played three plays up until the pick. I got in the first play, almost had the TFL. The running back juke me and made a move, and I broke the tackle, missed the tackle. Then I was, they took me out, and I, they put me back in like the next quarter. For the next play, I came off the edge, made a move on the running back. I almost sacked Deshaun Watson, and then he got away from me and ran out of bounds. I almost sacked him, missed the sack. So I missed the TFL, missed the sack. Then the third time I got in, we had the linebacker. He went in. It was like we were down. I don't remember what the score was, but we were down. They were about to, like, ice the game. Mm-hmm. Do or die time. Came out with an injury, and then he just, like, so he was going. The first play I get in the game, that whole play happens. Boom, boom, boom. It just happened just like that. Like, snap the finger, and then we get the ball back. So it was just crazy that those three plays I was in, like, it was every dream I had. It was just the first two didn't happen, and the last dream I had actually came true. So, Do you That's, remember that play, or wow. did you just kind of black out and react to what I just, was happening? That like football, like it's just crazy, like how fast things happen. But like, it happens fast, but it's it's going on slow while it's happening. Like, cause that's why it's so weird when playing football. Cause watching it on TV, the games and players are moving so fast. But when you actually locked in in the zone playing, like it feels like everything is in slow motion. So 
it felt like it just felt like it was an out of body experience. Like any like big plays I made in football, like just not even that, but like just a, a lot of plays in my career. Like sometimes when you're on the field, it feels like you just out of your body. So it's just like when he threw the ball, I was just I, everything was in slow motion. I was doing everything, but like I was, it felt like I wasn't even controlling myself. I just felt like I was just. <laughs> so when I was running, I was just in my head. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I, I believe because it was funny because like my boys are all like. Why the fuck did you look at the scoreboard? Like you know, you were running back, you could look at the scoreboard, see if somebody chasing you because I got caught. And I was like, bro, I didn't even know what the fuck was going on. You talking about looking at the scoreboard? Like, <laughs> I don't. I, I it's how do you have the awareness to like, like oh, I should look up at the scoreboard to see if Mike Williams, who runs like a four three, is chasing me down. I would have. I feel like most people would have done exactly what you did. And it, it's not like you didn't get a good return on it. You, you set us up for that James Conner touchdown, but. That's what I'm saying. I said, I, I, I did what I needed to do. I, I'll leave you. <laughs> I mean, the, the impact of that can't be understated. Five minutes left, you know, Clemson was about to make it a two touchdown game, effectively putting it away. And you put Pitt, you know, on in plus territory, uh, what was what was the feeling on the sideline knowing that you had done everything and more to put Pitt in the position to win and then Chris Blewett is lining up for that game winner? It was just like we weren't even just looking at it like that. Like everything was just like we were just so focused on winning that every individual thing that people because other people got picks too in the game. Like two other people mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. like we were just so focused on winning that it was just like we didn't really fathom everything. I just went on until the game was over. And everybody was like, ah, oh, that was a crazy play. But, like, during the game, like, it was just like, everybody was like, good job, man. But then it was over. Like, on to the next play. We're trying to score. Like, you feel me? And that's how I was thinking, too. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I got the pill. We got to get back on defense and make a stop. You feel me? So, it was everybody was just so locked in that game. So, so Chris Blewett makes that field goal. Uh, first question, do you think he was going to make it? Were you nervous? Second question, what was the celebration like after that game? I think this is the perfect podcast for you to talk about the celebration. <laughs> we, had a, we had a great time today, but like now when Chris Blue went up to the kick, um I remember he missed like two field goals before that. And I remember Narduzzi, like it was just crazy because usually he'll get mad and be like cursing people out, but like for some reason, that game, like he gave Chris Blue like a kiss on the head or something, like after he very famous, him, yeah. After he missed the second one, and it was for some reason, like we just knew he was gonna go in, like for whatever reason, like I don't know if it was just like God or something, but we just, I just had a feeling the whole game. I was like, no matter what happens in the game, I feel like we just gonna win this game. So when he went up to kick it, I feel like we knew we were gonna win for whatever reason. I feel like everybody felt like we were gonna win the game. Yeah, that that kiss. Uh, the kiss of death Valley, we like to call it that. Uh, I think everyone knew when they were showing that highlight, like, yeah, he's, he's not missing again. Cause that's either Narduzzi giving confidence in him or like an old Italian signal for like, you better not fuck up again. <laughs> I'm right here. Oh, I, I, I thought it was both. Probably both. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you only played a handful of plays that game yet. In, instantly became the hero of the city of Pittsburgh. How how long after that game were you kind of just walking on sunshine? Like, did you? How long did it take to come down from that? Uh, so me, like, 
I'm just on to the I'm on to the next. So I'm trying to just like I was I was happy it happened. Like maybe for a couple of weeks, just because it was like a crazy but for a couple of weeks it felt good. Like, I was like, man, I can't believe I did that. But like after that, I was like, all right, moving on. Like we trying to like because that's why like I don't know, like because people always just bring up the play when I was in college and it was just constantly bring up like man, I, I was like, that play's over, man. I'm I make I make way more plays. I'm not you feel me? So that's how I was looking at it. Like it's a big play, but it's like I make a lot of big plays. I, I can make big plays every single game. That's how I was looking at it when I was younger, you know. So coming in the during that season, even going into further seasons, like it was all right, that play's over. It's cool. Like it's a great memory now that I'm older and out of college looking back on it. But like especially when I was in college, it's like that's one play in the book and we just make we just gonna make more plays. You feel me? So But that's the thing. You played in a lot of big games, a lot of big upsets, a lot of notable wins and uh that era of pit football. So it's not like that Clemson game was the only thing you could hang your hat on. There were some crazy games, uh, memorable moments that you've been a part of. Sure, most definitely. What else stands out? Um, As far as games? Mm-hmm. Or personal moments. What's some crazy games? I can actually tell you about the first game I ever played, like the first game I ever got in. So, now nah, this story actually crazy, but uh, I remember um, – I played on kickoff. Like, I played on special teams like my redshirt freshman year. So I was on special teams. And it's funny because I actually went viral like my freshman year when we played Penn State the second game of the season. I like hit the kicker and it like went viral like on uh, Twitter and everybody started because that kicker used to be coming down like trying to like make your Julius. Yeah. So then <laughs> I ran and I just hit him. He fell. And then like that just went because we won that game too that year. We beat Penn State. So that play went viral, so then it was just funny because after that, every team just started just coming up and blasting his little lap. So, did you get was, a penalty for that? I did get a penalty for that. My coach okay. and everything. Also, there's nothing little about Joey Julius's ass. Just for the record, <laughs> <laughs> that was a 300 pound kicker. Uh, he was bigger. She was bigger. Shit. <laughs> that was. I always used to get so pissed about that because he would, to his credit, he would light some dudes up. Like he'd come down full head of steam and crush dudes, and then. You you started the trend. You put a hat on him, and then people started complaining, like, "Oh, how how low do you have to go to come after a kicker like that?" Like, but some of those videos, he the way he be hitting players, like he would decapitate him player. So yeah, yeah. you got to put a hat on him. I was like, yeah, "I'm gonna hit his ass." <laughs> but yeah, nah, my uh, but yeah, my redshirt freshman year, I was playing special team for the most of the season. The first like two three games. And I was, I'm not going to play. I probably just played special teams the whole year. So I remember um, we playing Oklahoma State and um, mm. owed the game. A lot of things that happened to me, just me in general. So I remember we playing Oklahoma State and we had special teams like the first day, like they saying who everybody's blocking before the game. So our uh, special teams coach, he was like, okay, Celine, he was like, since you want to hit people, he was like, we got, we got a special job for you on kickoff return. We want you to put we're gonna put you on the front line, the first guy. They got a guy right next to the kicker that runs down the field. And he's their best player on kickoff. And I want you to run up and hit him. So I'm like, I could do that. And like special teams meeting, the whole team is in special teams. So everybody's in that meeting. So we're in the meeting. He turns on the film of the guy. This dude is fucking like 6'5, 295 pounds, running like a four-five. I remember he was like number 93. He, they put a clip of him on kickoff. They're like, oh, Celine, this is what you're going to block in front of the whole team. This man ran down the kickoff, ran through 
two people picked up one dude by his face, man, slammed him on the ground and clotheslined the uh, kick return, and the dude fumbled. Good and lord! Everybody looked at me and started fucking just dying. Like, <laughs> everybody looked at me, started. I'm like, bro, who don't have me blocking right now. Like, I'm like 200 pounds because I told you I was little that year. I was like 200 pounds during that time. I'm like, I'm like, nah, I'm like, whatever. So I'm like, fucking, I'm like, whatever. Let me just do it. So it gets to the game. And in my head, I'm like, all right, hopefully we go on kickoff first so I don't got to fucking block his big ass, right? So I'm, like, trying to push them on. I'm like, fuck, hopefully I don't got to take time to get to kickoff return. So we do kick the ball. Nah, yeah, we do kick the ball off. We're on defense first. And this one, Oklahoma State, they had Mason Rudolph and James Washington. So they're on the one-yard line. First play of the game through a 99-yard touch, 99 touchdown pass, and they talking about kickoff return up. So I'm like, Fuck, man, I got to go. I don't give me no time to get ready. So I get all kickoff return. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, you know, I'm just going to hit his ass, man. I'm not scared. Like, I'm not. I'm like, I know he's bigger than me. Well, I'm like, whatever, man. I'm going to run and just hit him full speed, whatever. Fuck it. So I line up. He's looking. He's not even looking at me. So I'm like, man, he's not looking at me at all. I'm going to just hit his ass. So they blow the whistle. The kicker kicks the ball off. I'm running towards him. He stopped in the middle of the play, turned towards me. Ran to me, hit me so hard, but I fell. My helmet came off, and he was like, "That's what you wanted, motherfucker. You try to hit me, bitch. That's what the fuck." <laughs> Standing over me, and I was looking at him like, "Yeah, I want it." And I just jogged off the field and just ran to the sideline like, "Fuck, big ass, fuck me up." Well, and yeah, the rest of the game did not go any better. <laughs> and that, but that same game too was crazy. Like another story in that game, I was actually the third string linebacker at that point. At my position, I play outside. So I remember second half or maybe third quarter, our starter linebacker pulled his hammy. And then my coach was like, Celine, because when you're not playing, you're on the sideline fucking around with your team. We joking around, making fun of fans and shit. Like, we're not paying attention. So, because uh, I'm, I'm not going to get in. I was like, I don't give a fuck. So one of the linebackers pulled his hammy. So then my, my coach was like, Celine, we're second string now. Be ready. Like, you're up in the depth. So I was like, whatever, man. I, they're like, Salim, get ready, going to get in. I'm like, bro, I'm not getting in, bro. So I'm just chilling, watching the game, like joking with my boy. And I look to the sideline. It's like the end of the fourth quarter. The second string linebacker got his knee on the field screaming. So I'm looking, I'm like, who's that? And then I'm looking like, wait, I'm like, is that is that Bam? Like, is that the second string linebacker? I'm looking, I'm like, bro, if I got to go in the fucking game right now. Brennan, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my coach. Because I never got in before this, I, I was just on special team. I never played in the game like on defense. My coach, my defensive coordinator, I mean my uh, linebacker coach, sprinted toward me, grabbed me by my shirt, and said, "Get fucking ready, you get in the game. Don't fuck this shit up." So I'm sitting there like, "God damn, bro!" Like, and the game is tied. Mind you, the game is tied. It's the fourth quarter. The game is tied, 33-33. This is my first play ever getting in college football. And I get in. I do pretty good. You feel me? So that's like how my first start ended up going. So. That must have been a really – like, were you seeing stars when he grabbed you? That's a rude awakening. Yeah, he he, he fucked me up. I ain't going to lie. That, that was like a welcome to football moment, like welcome to college moment. I ain't going to lie. Because he was big as hell. Like, it was just <laughs> it was just funny how the whole thing transpired. Like, he just basically, like – because usually, like, you're trying to run down to make the tackle. Like, you're not worried about the blocker. Like, if you beat the blocker, you just trying to make the tackle. Like, he stopped in his tracks ran towards me, said, fuck the play. I'm going to hit this dude right here and fuck me up. So I definitely felt – that's why I remember that shit so much. 
God, that, that is that is a very tough introduction to to the sport. Uh, thankfully, things got better. Definitely got better. Things got better for you, yeah. Definitely got better. I feel like everybody got that moment, though. Everybody got that welcome to college moment. So, yeah, makes me a little glad I uh, I quit football around freshman year of high school because I. I would have uh, dropped the helmet and walked off the field if that kind of stuff happened to me. <laughs> yeah, football definitely not for everybody. You gotta be. I always talk to my friends like to play football. You gotta be a little off in the head. Like you gotta be a little. You gotta be a little off to play football. I ain't gonna lie. Like we not, we not know. Especially like linebacker, we playing defense. Like you gotta be. You gotta be a little slow. You see me? So. I kind of. I guess. Hey, you know, you, you got to be a little off to play football. You got to be a little off to play a genius. That's that's where we get, you know, guys like you and Bates and Narduzzi. There you, there you go. Similarity right there. So we, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you helping us relive some of the best moments uh, we've had as Pitt fans. Uh, but before we let you go, be real remiss if we didn't uh, ask you your thoughts on this upcoming season. You uh, Have you been following the program closely in recent years? Do you have any... Any uh, you know, thoughts on what we might look like this year? Yeah, so I gotta look and see at some of the players because it's just crazy. Like, like I said, I'm feeling old right now because all of the young players, like when I was a senior, all like the little freshmen, they all like in the league already. So it's just like I don't even think there's any players I played with now. Maybe like a couple. So I gotta look, but I mean, they look good though last year. Like, they look real good. So I mean. Pitt's always bringing in new guys that's going to come and shine, you know. So, it's like one one player actually, um, he just got drafted. Um, his name, um, Kalaja Kansi, he played D-tackle. So, we had Jalen Twine and Jalen had, what, like 13 sacks. And then when he left, all the fans or everybody were like, man, how you going to replace JT? Like, what are you going to do for JT? And now I remember a reporter asked me, they said, so who's going who's gonna to be, like, one of the next players coming in on defense? Like, my senior year, he was like, who's going to be one of the next players coming on defense? Like, Kalaja was a redshirt. And I remember it was Kalaja and uh, Brandon Hill, safety. And I was like, Brandon Hill and Kalaja Kent. But the main thing I was like, Kalaja, like, he's going to be an All-American. Watch. A couple years, he's going to be all-in look. So, like I said, pick on, pick on five players. You feel me? They're going to definitely have players. So, I'm not worried about that. So we're we going to see. They got a new offensive coordinator, I think. So we're going to see what happens. I like they picked up Phil. Phil uh, what's his Jacobic. name? Yeah, Jacoby. He's nice. Yeah, nah, I like I like Jacoby. He's he, he nice. I used to watch him. Uh, he, was at, he played for Palm Richland. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Jacoby was nice. I remember watching him. So I think I think they got a good pickup with that. So we're going to see. Some of the young guys going to have to step up. But, I mean, I think they're going to do good. For the most part, that's the thing with Pitt nowadays. Uh, you just kind of got to trust the defense. Whenever one guy leaves, someone will step up. For sure, and it definitely took a step. But like I said, like I feel like Pitt's at a level now where they really can compete and make make big things happen. Like as far as like during the season, because like I said, when I was playing, when I first got there, like we were going like six and six, barely seven and five, eight and four, barely. So I feel like the talent level of the team definitely risen since I was there up until now. So. They definitely have a chance to compete for anything. So, so well, I think you, a big part of that is having uh, guys like you on that defense to bring home some big wins, uh, raise the profile of Pitt. I know that year you beat Penn State and Clemson, uh, 
people started turning their heads and thinking this pit team might be our problem in the years to come. Yeah, for sure. And well, we won the ACC championship, you know, so a couple years ago. So that was just like that year, like, wasn't a surprise to me. Like, when I seen that happen, I was like, ah, like, we were going to win eventually. Like, so it was just like all the players before that just slowly building up to what it became, you know. And then, like, developing Kenny, letting Kenny develop with an OC that actually was good, you know, letting him get to where he was, you know. So, we, like, everything that happened with Pitt, like, being the players, like, you see that building up. So, like, all the older players, when we left, we knew, like, when we seen the scene, like, we knew that was going to happen, like, the next couple of years after we left college, you know, so. So you you dreamt that you were going to have the game-sealing pick or the, the game-turning pick against Clemson. You correctly predicted Kalijah Kansi would be an All-American. You predicted Brandon Hill's success. Can I hear you say – Pitt is going 12-0 and 0 this year, and Phil's winning the Heisman. Oh, yeah. Pitt going to go 12-0, Phil going to win the Heisman. Let's, let's get it. We need Ladies it. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. We need it happening. Salim, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute pleasure. Loved hearing your stories. And uh, hail to Pitt, man. Yes, sir, man. H2P, man. Appreciate you guys having me on here as well, man. Good to meet you guys. Thanks, Salim. Thank you again to Salim Brightwell for taking us down memory lane. Uh, awesome, awesome interview, and best of luck to Salim with the upcoming uh, season in the indoor league. Uh, really enjoyed having him on. Um, fellas, it's time for final thoughts. Final thoughts is brought to you this week by Guerrero Law. Gentlemen, what is the highest high you felt? as a pit fan fake slide i'll go with a different one i will say ryan lewis's interception against penn state i might have to go with uh chris blewett's kick against clemson because you know it feels topical like what's the lowest low you've ever felt how much time you got brother (laughs) uh whilst the western michigan had me contemplating whether i Wanted to be an avid sports fan. Oh, I thought you were going to say alive. Yes. All of those basketball tournament losses back in the day, they all hit me deep. I was just sitting there silent for an hour or two after those. I'm not going to mention any of them because they all just sucked equally, no matter what round they were. Yeah, I mean, we could go on for a while. Scotty Reynolds, uh, Kemba Walker. Okay, all right. Marty Gillier. My my point is, there's a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows associated with being a Pitt fan. Um, And in a much broader sense, isn't that kind of how life is? Regular, everyday life can be so full of highs and lows. Maybe you were cruising down Bigelow Boulevard and got into an accident, and maybe you're insurance company isn't treating you fairly or maybe other firms won't take your case seriously if you decide to get litigious if you find yourself in that kind of situation one of those lows not necessarily sporting related but life related it benefits you to call guido at guerrero law he will help turn your losses into an acc championship win that is guerrerolaw.com if you want to talk to Guido about any kind of case that you might be dealing with, that's GuerreraLaw.com, G-U-R-R-E-R-A 
L-A-W.com. You can also call 412-229-7757. He is located in Pittsburgh, licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio. So let's get into those final thoughts brought to you by Guerrero Law. Dylan, why don't you uh, start us up? Yeah, so this past week, uh, Dame Givner, he's a point guard guard for Imani Christian Academy, located in Pittsburgh, defending 1A state champs, uh, was reported by our friend George Michalowski uh, over at Pittsburgh Sports Now that Jason Capel and Jeff Capel were actually in to watch him this weekend for an, in an AU tournament he was playing in. Uh, hits a little more directly home for me. I actually coached Dame in a middle school league back when he was in seventh grade. So I've been following his career since then. Also a few of his Imani teammates played in that league as well. Um, Imani has four rising juniors with division one offers at this point. Uh, Fordham has offered three different guards who play there. Uh, RJ sledge, Nathan Brazil, Dame Givener, and then obviously a leader. Maluk as uh, the big time recruit over at Imani. But why am I bringing all this up? Just generally looking at the landscape of Western Pennsylvania basketball, I know it's been said over and over, oh, there's kind of been a boost of talent, but it's become very clear that there's a big boom of basketball talent in Western PA right now. And I don't think that can be really slept on, or I don't think that can be you know emphasized enough on how big that could be for the Pitt program moving forward. Pitt's always had to recruit kids from other areas. You know, they succeeded a lot in the early 2000s with the New York guys. I uh, recruited the DMV area well for for a, a good bit of time. But if Pitt can start landing some blue chip kids that are just in their backyard 10 minutes from campus, uh, just a big, big boost for Pitt because that was always, you know, Pitt never really had many whippy old guys on the roster. Uh, City League, uh, DeWan Blair from the City League. Obviously, we know what he did for the Pitt program. So it's just fun to keep, thing to keep an eye on as we continue to see more and more of these uh, Whippy old guys picking up Division One offers and seeing which of those guys could potentially play play at the Peterson Event Center. How did that? How did this happen? Is uh, there like a like a definitive point we can go to and be like, this is when the city of Pittsburgh started becoming a basketball powerhouse? No, no, I don't know. I I think. There is maybe a bit of a shift in because we've seen maybe a bit of a drop off in football talent in in Western PA. Not that there's not still great football here, but the number of kids signing with FBS schools every year has declined pretty significantly over the past decade or so. Maybe more of these kids are just playing basketball. I don't like. Would Dame Givener have been a a cornerback? You know, ten fifteen years ago. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is. If if the city of Pittsburgh as a whole, I think, has started to generate a little bit more buzz. And, you know, these kids are out playing AAU ball and playing for different teams in different states. Um, Imani's done a great job with developing some of these kids, getting them in front of college coaches. And so I, I think that's probably a big part of it, too. But I think there is a bit of a cultural shift in Pittsburgh uh, with respect to basketball. It doesn't feel like it's just such clearly option. I mean, Pittsburgh will always be a football town, uh, but at the high school level, basketball does seem to be garnering a, a bit more buzz now. I mean, Malik Thomas didn't can't go through the segment without mentioning him, but you know he's like legitimately 
a top 10 player in the country in his class, uh, probably a future NBA guy. Like that's he's the biggest prospect that the city of Pittsburgh has seen since, you know, recruiting rankings became a thing. Sounds like a perfect time for basketball to boom. Be a hell of a time for the Capels to capitalize on on this market we've got going. More like Capelidize. Capelidize. Cap, capital. Squid. Yeah. So uh, my final thought was the MLB draft was last week. Pirates of the first overall pick. Uh, Paul Skeens got drafted. So naturally, I got myself a new pirate jersey. You can see here. Uh, for eight, is that is that Willie Stargell? No, it's not Willie Stargell. Uh, I wore this to the the game the other night. I got a few questions about it. A lot of fans came up and said, "I oh, love the jersey." Why? Kenny Beautiful. Pickett. You got a Kenny Pickett Buckos jersey. It's weird that jersey is kind of blending in with the bunker over there. That's that's another one of those weird phenomenons we can't yeah. explain. Over yeah, here. I think there's a ghost out here. But yeah. Uh, it was Dylan, myself, and a few other friends at a pirate game. It's probably three or four weeks ago at this point, and we were all just making a couple bets. Like, I bet this guy gets a hit, but this guy gets out. Right? We bet on Austin Hedges to get out, which is almost a sure thing. And uh, we said, you know what? If we get this bet right, we're just going to order a group of Kenny Pickett pirate jerseys. Ground ball in the hole. Third base makes a diving stop. They turn two. He gets out. We win our money. Right there in the stadium, pull up DH gate and order some Kenny Pickett Pirate jerseys. Yeah, it's funny. My that's actual not... thought is the Pirates could use him out of the bullpen. I'm more than sure he could get the job done. He hit a dinger in uh, Cam Hayward's charity softball game. Two dingers. Two. Excuse me. Um, I think that jersey is the third. Kenny Pickett jersey, third or fourth? Okay, now I'm actually doing the numbers here. And th- that might be the fourth Kenny Pickett jersey that I've sent an order on after a couple or a few mm-hmm. beers. Well, it's funny if you wear this to the Pirate game. Like I was obviously the only person wearing this, but there were a couple of Steelers Pickett jerseys worn, so I wasn't alone there. I also think once you hit like July, August at PNC Park, like Yins are football season. Yeah, they come back, they round back to their natural form. And at that point, you just have like a bunch of TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Kenny Pickett jerseys walking around. Mine is actually also baseball related. Uh, A little bit of bucko fever on the podcast, even though I don't think they're doing very well right now. Um, So I was, I was just at my sister's. for family birthdays and uh and my godson was having like, like a little bit of a meltdown there playing a game didn't go his way he he started crying and uh i was i was with my brother-in-law his dad and he was he was trying to get his attention and he was like buddy can you can you come here for a second we we need to talk like can you calm down like and he keeps crying like no 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 won't come over and my, my brother-in-law goes, hey, there's something really important I have to tell you about the Pittsburgh Pirates. My nephew whips around, books it over. He's like, like still tears in his eyes, like, what, what, what? 
and my brother-in-law goes, the Pirates are calling up Andy Rodriguez. And my nephew, who's four years old, four, not yet in preschool, goes, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, calling up a couple other guys. One even has your name. And he was like, oh, my God. Like, no more tears. Like, perfectly, totally forget what he was upset about. Run, runs back, rejoins the game like little pep in his step, so psyched. And I turned to my brother and I was like, that was that was incredible. That was the most beautiful Yinzer parenting I've ever seen in my entire life. Just telling a four-year-old, like, yeah, uh, the Pirates are calling up a couple of the really high-end prospects, and I really think it's going to uh, help solidify the catcher position. And this four-year-old is just stoked. He's like, let's fucking go. Got a young Bob Costas in the making. How did this four-year-old become so pirates obsessed? Is his dad a huge pirate fan? His his dad is yeah. Uh, he's a both parents pit grads, um, so he by osmosis has watched an insane amount of specifically pit sports uh, growing up. But he's like he's crazy good with numbers for a four-year-old. So, like, he just loves watching the score go up. And he can, like, memorize scores. Like, he pointed at a picture from when he was three years old. And it was all of us at a pit game. And he goes, Mommy, Pitt was up 6 nothing when that picture was taken against Miami. And my sister was like, what? And she, like, like found the date of the picture and looked it up and... Pitt was up six nothing on Miami when that picture was taken. Yeah, all right. So my point is, I'm going to teach him how to count cards. <laughs> Love it. Put 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 those that numbers uh, numbers skill to use. Like, don't, don't worry about putting them through like any accelerated math programs in school. Anything stupid like that. We're we're gonna have um uh. Uncle, our our stats department, Uncle Dick is gonna is gonna. <laughs> my nephew's gonna be his apprentice for the loyal son stats and info department. Well, we're in good hands now. Generations to come, but yeah, uh, the future of Pitt fandom is uh, is in good hands. I love to hear it. Love to hear it. Well, those were all great final thoughts, fellas. I'm working on very little sleep. Just got home from the cruise before we hopped on this recording. So if you guys don't have anything else, I'll lead us out. We good to go? Let's call it a night. All right. Well, see you all Saturday at the golf outing. Well, I'm sure not all of you will be there. Sunday, 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 Sunday. All right. I'll lead us out. Go to bed. Hail, loyal sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.